are you? I'm doing great. All right. Welcome to the Philippi Conversations podcast. And we are in the new Philippi Church office, which is super fun, super exciting to, to have you. For those uh, that don't know you, uh, I'll give a quick introduction, and then I'd love for you to tell us just a little bit about how Jeremy Neff became Jeremy Neff in the Lord. <laughs> um, but for those, um, you know, for those tuning in, I don't know Jeremy. Jeremy, you are a pastor at Heritage Christian Fellowship. You're an yep. associate pastor there. You've been there for nine years? Yeah, nine years. Yeah, and you and I had the privilege of working, well, it was a privilege for me, uh, <laughs> working together for six years of that yeah. on staff, uh, which is great. And you're an elder there. You're also an elder here at Philippi yep. Church, which is awesome. Um, you planted a church in current at Cape Junction. Mm-hmm. And you were there for how long? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in addition to all that, you are absolutely my pastor, and my, <laughs> uh, one of my mentors, and even more importantly, one of my good friends. So uh, thanks yeah. for coming out and having this conversation. And uh, we're going to talk about spiritual formation this morning and kind of hopefully give some definition to that. Great. And I'm going to pick your brain and try to learn and, uh, and sit under some of those thoughts, have some conversation. Before we get into that, though, I would love to hear um, just a little bit about how you came to know Christ yeah. and, um, and then maybe an abbreviated version of how Christ has shaped you over the last however many years yeah, uh, that you, you got saved. Yeah, man, I, you know, I actually grew up 15 minutes from here. Um, my high school years were spent at Hidden Valley High School, and uh, so Grant's Pass was kind of my my old stomping grounds. And uh, as a result of just you know poor choices and I think some childhood trauma um, seeded into my life, uh, I I got mixed up in you know all the typical rebellious stuff of drugs and whatever else throughout high school. And and Hidden Valley, if if your listeners are familiar with it. Uh, is one of those places where that's nurtured. <laughs> a lot of the crew from Williams and stuff were, were pot growers back before it was even legal here mm-hmm. in Oregon. and So there was just an abundance of those types of things. But I had a, a pretty severe run-in with the law and um, and ended up you know, facing some felony charges. And that, that put me on my face in a way that I, I hadn't been. I'd been in trouble kind of all throughout, but uh, looking at going away for a while um, caused me to stop and think. My parents towed me out to a church service at Applegate Christian Fellowship. And um, while I was there, uh, the, the pastor, John Corson, w- was teaching uh, from the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel at the Brook Jabuk. And uh, the point of his story, matter of fact, the opening of his story was classic because I was sitting there. I hadn't been in church in a long time, sitting there with my parents who are excited that I'm just there. And he opens his sermon up with uh, a story about a young man who came to him who uh, had history with drug use and was was once again in trouble with the law. And I, you know, looked over at my parents. (laughs) I'm like, you guys ratted me out, you know. And, uh, but as I sat there, man, uh, I, I began to realize, you know, I'm, I'm one of like 1,500 people in this sanctuary. There's no way that he, he built a sermon in right. 45 minutes around right. my story. And the Holy Spirit just had his, his finger right on my heart mm. that entire time. And the conclusion of, of his sermon was that God broke the hip of Jacob and caused him to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. And that that was actually a spiritual picture or physical picture of the spiritual reality that the brokenness that was being brought into Jacob's life would cause him to have to depend on a staff in the same way that the spiritual brokenness in his life would cause him to have to depend on God. And uh, so my parents were excited, I was crying, you know, it was like lots of emotion, but by the time I, I drove back home, which is like 20 minutes out, back out to Murphy. I kind of dismissed it, explained it away. I had gotten high before church, and so... <laughs> like you do. Yeah. So I, I just thought, you know... I mean, who hasn't? Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm a little too vulnerable and emotional right now. I just kind of like explained it away. And when we got home, my parents, of course, they wanted to talk. And... Um, and so I t- said, hey, you know, I've got a book about God. Maybe I'll do some more looking into this. Mm. And it was much more passive. And they said, yeah, do you, tell me what book you have about God. You don't seem like a God book kind of a, right. a, a, a person, you know. 
So I, I grabbed the book that I had. Somebody had given it to me after the death of two of my friends. And it was called Embraced by the Light. Not a Christian book at all. It was written by a Mormon who, and it's like a new, new agey book about after-death experiences. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know, open it up. When I opened it up, the very first page was writing on it. Uh, it said, this book is dedicated to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He is the staff that I lean on. And that was the exact point of the message that I had just heard. And I I had no way to explain that. And so that was kind of the beginning of my journey. Within a couple of years, I landed in uh, a a sort of internship, school of ministry thing that was at Applegate at the time. And then by 2000, I had married my wife, and we planted a church in Cave Junction. And we're out there for... 11 years. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, one of the reasons, you know, that uh, I wanted to have you on here is, um, you know, I know a lot of believers and I know a lot of pastors. And, yeah. Um, one thing I appreciate about you, Jeremy, is that your, your intense intentionality about your own spiritual formation. Mm. You know, um, and that's, um, that maybe seems like something you should be able to say of every pastor or of right. every Christian, but it's not. Um, mm. You know, like I, I just always, in, in the, you know, seven years or whatever that I've known you, um, and we've spent a lot of time together. Um, you know, we've seen each other up close. I always see you pursuing maturity and growth in Christ. And I always see you pursuing, um, not for your own gain or for your own pride, but f- because you love Jesus, you know. Yeah. And so that was one of the reasons I thought of you when I thought about doing this. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, and a little bit of background. So um, our church uh, is doing a, a series right now called Access Points. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a kind of a fancy way of saying it's a spiritual formation right. yeah. teaching series. So, uh, But that's language. You know, spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, that's language that people don't hear every day. Mm-hmm. And so um, sometimes it's helpful to sort of redress it. You know? And the idea behind Access Points was just that um, you know, all of our spiritual maturity comes out of God's grace. Yeah. And spiritual maturity is, by definition, it's not um, growing in our own strength. It's growing in our dependence, mm-hmm. right? So the access point idea was that we are, um, we're looking at these disciplines of grace as just that, as ways of accessing God's grace. So prayer, instead of becoming this thing that I have to do of my own strength and my own volition, right. it becomes an access point to God's grace. So you pray differently. Right? You pray not so that you can be more spiritual. You pray so that you can be more aware of God's goodness and richness. And yeah. uh, last week we looked at meditation. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Meditation on God's word is not some kind of a practice to make us more, um, you know, like a Jedi level five, you know, spiritual <laughs> spiritual people. It's it's actually to um, give us greater access to the grace and riches of God, which are yeah. eternal for us. You know, and we talked about kind of this this picture of a reservoir. That God's grace is a reservoir. Mm. Um, not speaking of his saving grace, mm. but speaking of his sanctifying grace. So the yeah. grace that he uses to grow us and mature us. And we can access that sanctifying grace to the level and the measure that we desire to. Mm. Uh, we simply limit ourselves often from, from accessing the grace yeah. that he has for us. So anyway, so we're doing that series. You guys are doing a similar, somewhat similar series right now. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are walking through with your series. Yeah, we're doing a series called The Easy Yoke. And it is basically a spiritual formation uh, series as well. And we're taking a look really at the life of Jesus. Uh, he, he made a promise in Matthew chapter 11 that if we would take his yoke or his teaching and kind of the picture being, you know, if you think of like a double yoke for oxen, he's like, I'm in one hole, right? Yeah. If you stick your head in the other side and you match my pace and you walk with me, um, you're going to see that life is an easier burden. One, because I'm the stronger ox, right? right? I'm pulling more weight. But two, because you're learning to do the plowing of life mm-hmm. uh, differently. And so uh, we're, we're kind of taking Jesus' words to task on that. Like, mm. okay, what, what does it look like to live lighter right. uh, if, we, if we really take seriously your invitation here. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, it was funny that uh, I think without us even, you know, obviously our churches are, are deeply connected as yeah. we were sort of the first church yep. plant from Heritage, but without even really discussing it, I think we both just naturally yep. sort of floated into the idea of a spiritual formation. Part of, you know, part of the reason for us was 
Um, and I love, I love the emphasis on the yoke, yeah. but part of the reason for us was like, this is a stressful season for people. Totally. And we've been, you know, we've been, um, trying to address the issues of racism, trying to address the issues of, of, yeah. um, political polarity and, um, you know, coronavirus and mm -hmm. all those things. And I, there was a part of me that was sort of tugging, like, maybe I should talk more about how to deal with these things. And I just felt the Lord being like, no, you need to rest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to rest yeah. in, in, in the grace of, of God because, even though there is a lot of tension, mm -hmm. we're already getting that. Like we're already getting all the commentary and the voices on the news and everyone else, everyone around us constantly talking about what could happen and how frustrated they are with mm -hmm. this or that. And, and what we need as Christians is we need to be the stabilizing force, right? We need to be the stabilizing force in the midst of um, these hard things, you know? So for me, it was just like, man, we need a season of abiding. Plus we've, you know, we were in um, Acts for 10 months right. and, and that's so missional. Like it's so mm -hmm. outward. Like we need to go, we need to, to, to spread the seed of the gospel. We need to evangelize. Um, and now I feel like we need to remember to and abide, right. you know, and who we are. So um, maybe that sets the table a little bit. Um, why don't we start by maybe giving some definition to what we mean by spiritual formation. And then mm -hmm. from there, maybe what we mean by spiritual disciplines. Yeah. So how would you define spiritual formation for our audience? Yeah, um, I, I think it's rooted uh, in an understanding of the fall uh, to, to begin with. Uh, there was something that took place when Adam and Eve sinned where, they, though they still bear the image of God, they lost something in the fall. And uh, you, you see that there is, there's a lack of connection to God, that, that in the garden, God would come walking with them in the cool of the day, and there was uh, an, an abiding sense of presence uh, with the Lord and fellowship with Him and, and depth. Uh, but when sin enters in, something is fundamentally changed, and man is broken in some way. And so when Jesus comes and uh, the gospel of the kingdom arrives, which includes, you know, saving from the consequences of sin and, and all of this, these promises that are connected to prophecy and you know, what, what's coming in the future. Along with that, though, God promised a, a, an absolute renewal of the heart, that he would take out a heart of stone and put in us a heart of flesh. Uh, Paul describes it in the New Testament in several places by saying that we are, we are being transformed in the, into okay. the image of Jesus Christ. Right. That it's like we're looking at him in a mirror. Mm -hmm. and, and day by day, we're increasing in the right. glory of reflecting Jesus right. uh, in our lives. Yeah. And so, nice. yeah, that's how That's it awesome. Is. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of framed it, um, I think, in our series very similarly. Um, but similarly, sim similarly, like the idea that um, God is in the business of creation, mm -hmm. and um, He's also in the business of recreation. Yeah. And that, you know, just like God brought our physicality into this world, God has brought our spirituality into this world. And mm -hmm. it, for us, we had to define a little bit what spiritual meant. Right. Spiritual doesn't mean floating or immaterial, it means um, whatever is under the rule of God. I mean, it yeah. can be used to be the immaterial, but in the New Testament, Typically, it's used to refer to the rule of Christ, right? Yeah. So we, we talked about how when you were born physically, you're born into the physical realm, um, and then you mature and you grow. So mm -hmm. when, you, you know, my son is five years old and he's learning five-year-old things. And right. he's, yeah. he's, so we brought him into this world, and now we have a responsibility, a stewardship to see him grow and mature. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, when we got saved, um, now God has brought spiritual life. Yeah. Now he's the parent. Yeah. But, you know, just like my son has to make a decision whether he's going to pee on the floor or pee in the toilet or <laughs> right. he's going to hit his sister or not or whatever. He has yeah. some say in his own development, you know, and so we're trying to cultivate that development, but mm -hmm. he still has to, to decide to do that. So in the same way, when God brings spiritual life, so when we get born again, mm -hmm. saved, you know, we come into this new spiritual existence, we're born again, and now we spiritually develop. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we've been interested to hear your thoughts on this, but one of the things we pointed out was that, you know, that's not a, that's not a, 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 a given in terms of, um, maturity like yeah. some people think that the longer you're a christian you're automatically more mature yeah and the reality is you and i both know from pastoral ministry that there's a lot of people that have followed christ for 50 years that are still spiritually pooping their pants right. in immaturity yeah. right um that's the truth yeah and, and it's also amazing even feeling like you have some spiritual maturity how quickly you can go back to right. you know being I mean, immature yeah just even as a human <laughs> like i i notice these two-year-old tendencies come out in me sometimes where i'm like wow you know, that was a two-year-old thing to feel. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true spiritually. But 
But we just talked about the fact that, that God is ultimately spiritually maturing us, but that we have a part to play in that. Um, and I think that's something that we sort of just take for granted, like, oh, we're going to grow because we're Christians. Yeah. And in fact, um, we can actually stay in proverbial immaturity for, for quite a while. I think God graciously nudges us sometimes, yeah. um, sometimes through uncovering sin or by allowing some tension, you mm-hmm. know, in our life or, or giving us more of a hunger for him. But, but ultimately, we have, um, you know, that decision. Um, what do you think that sort of balance lies between, okay, it's all God. He's doing the sanctifying. He's doing the maturing, which is true. Yeah. At the same time, we have a part to play in it. Maybe it's the whole sovereignty, you know, mm-hmm. kind of part. Um, of sanctification, where do you think that, uh, how do you think that all sort of works out? Yeah, I I guess I would say that um, the way that God works is always a partnership in that, you know, Jesus put it this way, and so did the prophets, you know, all day long I've I've stretched out my hand to you, the invitation has been there, Um, but you, you would not, Right. right? And I, I think that that is a part of spiritual formation, is learning to take the hand of Jesus and really just walk and say, yeah, I, I want to go where you lead. Um, in Psalms, uh, the picture is presented, you know, he says the, the ox and the, the donkey, they know their master, right. but, but you don't. And uh, I want you to be the kind of servant that I can lead with my eye. That's, you know, kind of this image of like the master of the house going, you know, and, and us being responsible, like, okay, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. I'm willing to partner with you in that. And so uh, I, I think that's a, a huge component of it. Mm. And so there's a, you know, there's the transforming of our mind. The more we know about God and his nature, the more that we long, I think, the spirit in us longs to be like him. Right. And he draws us forward yeah. into that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I file it sort of in the same mystery box as, um, you know, uh, to use a theological term, the soteriology Mm -hmm. piece. Like, how how does God save? Is it your decision or was it his election? And my answer would be yes. (laughs) Right. You know, like, so did I have to make a decision to follow Christ? Yes. But was it ultimately because he predestined me? Mm -hmm. Yes. And why do I believe that? Because that's what the Bible tells me. And, And in the same way, uh, maybe with evangelism, like, did someone get saved because you wouldn't preach the gospel to them? Or did they get saved because God elected them? Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and in the same way, like, am I sanctified or matured because God is maturing me or because yeah. I am choosing to be matured? Yes. You know, um, and I think to, to err on one side or the other oftentimes leads into, A, uh, you don't grow because you're just assuming Right. God's going to take care of it. You're good. Totally. I'm just going to It's going to possess you like yeah, a demon. Totally. Yeah. And, or the other side yeah. is, man, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm sticking it because right. this, this maturing thing is all on me and I'm doing a, get a jo- better job than everybody yeah. else. And that leads to spiritual pride, yeah. you know, one or the other. So I almost feel like we have to hold, um, we have to hold both things sort of simultaneously, yeah. you know. Uh, There's kind of an old-timey phrase that says, With, without God, we can't. Mm. And without us, he won't. That there is a a mutual agreement between us and God, mm. and we have no power to produce any spiritual fruit right. in our lives. Right. We we can't do that. Apart yeah. from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Jesus said. Mm. Um, but without us abiding, right? Mm. Any branch that does not abide in me, my Father cuts off. Right. right? The the abiding part is is us grabbing a hold of, of Jesus personally right. and and choosing to receive of him life. Yeah, that reminds me of a, a Dallas Willard quote. It's like my favorite quote right now. Um, it's like Christianity is what you do when you realize you can do nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that. spiritual maturity is actually uh, a deeper realization of your own depravity and your own need, you know, your own spiritual bankruptcy. Um, we We kind of, when we were trying to sort of define what, maturity looks like spiritually speaking we went to second peter 3:18, which is grow in grace mm. and the knowledge of him right yeah. and, and we kind of said like you know i think maturity is actually um growing in your understanding of your need for grace yeah. you know and how do we grow in understanding of our need for grace we grow out of grace mm. we grow with our roots sort of you know sucking the nutrients out right. of god's of god's grace uh, one of the things that's an intriguing question for me is um, why did why did God 
put us in a place where we need to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, he, he saved us, and he certainly could have brought us instantly into maturity. Like, he could have instantly brought us into right. the new heavens and the new earth or, or heaven and, and given us an instant maturity, but yet he allowed us to be in this already not yet, this place where we have a born-again soul and, an, and a fleshly body and the two war against each other, and, and we have to go through this process sometimes for 50, 60, 70 years, depending on okay. how long you follow Christ, of just, like, aching and failing and stumbling and tripping mm-hmm. and repenting and believing and growing and it's like um you know i i sort of asked through that question out to our congregation i could just see everybody like yeah what why like <laughs> like why why do we have to grow why can yeah. god just have given us maturity what, what are your thoughts on that yeah uh well i, I think that there's it, that's multifaceted um when as it relates to the gospel itself there is something that god is displaying about himself um his patience, his mercy, uh, his steadfastness. Those are things that we can't understand about God's nature and character apart from him exercising them in some way towards humanity. And because I believe that God's purpose is to be fully known, right? To reveal the mystery of who he is uh, to the world that that really his patience and forbearance in our lives is a part of that revealing process that we might know is essential. If he makes us perfect, then no patience is required, right? right? No perseverance in love in the face of our imperfections is required. Grace is no longer known about God because he just exerted his will uh, into the situation. So I think part of that is, is him revealing himself. I think another part of it, though, is that we learn to trust God in greater and greater capacity through the breaking that happens in our lives. As we shed another layer um, to our lives, there's a great picture from the, the Old Testament of the shepherd who has a sheep that keeps wandering astray and how he would come and he would find that lamb that, that's wandering uh, away from the flock and putting itself in constant danger and he would break its leg and then bear it upon his shoulders. And in the process of bearing it upon his shoulders, the, the lamb would have to eat from the hand of the shepherd. The shepherd would have to lay it down next to still waters and in green pastures yeah. so that the lamb would learn that the shepherd was the safest place to be. Right. And so I think that the process of sanctification is us rediscovering that there is no place we can wander off <laughs> and and find ourselves in a better with a better option. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yeah. only place we're really safe is is close to that. the shepherd. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess it, it kind of um it, it almost opens the box, the Pandora's box of the larger question is you know, why would God create a universe that wasn't perfect from the start, you know? Yeah. And, and of course we don't have the ultimate answer to that, but I think the scripture sort of teases at it um, that you there bet. is something of eternal value in God redeeming a universe yeah. before he recreates a universe because that's sort of his you know, creation, fall, right. redemption, renovation, or restoration. That, that before we get to the restoration piece, there's something that is of eternal value in the redemption piece. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's both in a sense of what he's doing in us, mm-hmm. in our soul, in our eternal being, right. and, and also in the cosmos and the heavens, like Ephesians says that he is, um, you know, he's revealing his manifold wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's yeah, basically totally. he's he's revealing something about yeah. himself that was never really understood yeah. by the heavenly beings, um, by the cosmos before. Totally. That is now being seen, um, and and I think that the work that is put in by the Holy Spirit and by us to mature us is is going to somehow be evident. Um, its value is going to be somehow evident in eternity, right? That we're going to go, Absolutely. wow, like, um, you know, perhaps we'll, we'll have a greater ability to delight in the Lord, yeah. maybe, or, um, you know, I, I, this is a, a can of worms, but, you know, there's that question of, like, will we, will we, have, um, will we have faith in heaven, or, mm-hmm. or is heaven the end of faith, you know, or, yeah. uh, I don't know, that, you know, there's just all those kinds of, of interesting, interesting Yeah, I thoughts. think 1 Corinthians 13 hints at that as well. He says, you know, now we know in part. Right. But then we will fully know. Right. So there's like there's a revealing that is happening through the course of redemptive history yeah. that is revealing the fullness of God, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's our future hope. It's interesting, even that Christ had to mature. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was a head-scratcher for me. I mean, years back when I first read that verse in Hebrews where it said that he grew in wisdom and right. favor. I was yeah. like, stature. I was like, well, well, but isn't he perfect? Right. You know, and like, um, well, yes, he is. But he, when he took on humanity, he took on his humanity in process. Yeah. And so, therefore, he had to, in process, grow mm-hmm. and mature um, so that he could be the template for the new humanity, so that he right. could be the template for you and I as we're following in his footsteps. So, you know, the idea of maturing is actually not part of the fall. That was something that, um, that we talked about on, on Sunday a couple weeks ago is, you know, we think of growth as being um, part of sin. Mm. But in fact, growth preceded the fall. Right. So God created a universe in process. Yep. He created a, a um, basically a jungle right. and said, turn it into a city, right. <laughs> or turn it into a garden. And yep. he, he gave the cultural <laughs> mandate, he gave humanity sort of the marching orders to say, hey, go turn this into something better than I made it to be. Mm. Uh, which is not to say that it was fallen like it is now. Right. I mean, the ground wasn't as hard to yield. Yeah. But at the same time, he created a, um, a universe with the intention of it developing, and he gave right. us the stewardship of developing it. Yeah. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, now he's recreating, but he wants to start doing that through mm. uh, the church, cultivating and recreating, yep. you know what I mean? which is really exciting to think about. So I, I think that opens up all of, these, all of these thoughts about what heaven could be like, because mm. that means that heaven isn't stagnant. Right. Um, like everything is linear now. Mm-hmm. So, so in heaven, like we're actually going to continue to grow mm-hmm. and, and learn. Yeah. And, um, and be, well, I mean, if God's eternal and we're eternally discovering him, right. then there's never an end to what we can discover about totally. the Lord. But that means that even us as individuals, um, you know, are going to continue to grow and develop. Yeah. I wouldn't take that as far as the Mormons do, where you, you, you turn into your own Jesus and get your own planet and become right. your own God. But, but the fact that, that God is the center of all things and that we'll spend eternity developing our understanding of him is really exciting. Absolutely. Uh, makes me kind of just want to go get a car accident. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's transition. Maybe if, if, we've, if we've hopefully um, not lost anybody, but hopefully we've defined a little bit what spiritual formation is. Mm-hmm. If, that's, if that's the goal, that we would be formed in the yep. image of Christ... Um, then spiritual disciplines would be the means, right? Um, So spiritual disciplines would be sort of, if if the destination is spiritual formation, then the car or the vehicle is spiritual disciplines, right? Mm -hmm. The the things that God gave us, the graces that God gave us in order to grow in grace and grow in maturity. Um, And those spiritual disciplines are things like, to to name some of the more common, you know, the common ones is uh, meditation, fasting, prayer, scripture reading, um, you know, those types of things. Um, What have been some of the spiritual disciplines that have been most, um, I guess, treasured, Mm. prized, valued, and helpful in you and your spiritual formation uh, as a believer, personally? Yeah, I would say that uh, the the starting point for me has been scripture. Mm. Uh, That, that, Kind of like I needed a base understanding of like what is true about God, how has He revealed Himself? So that was kind of the starting place. But then the more that I understood about who He is, the more that I wanted to spend time with Him. So for me, uh, silence and solitude kind of came hand in hand with that. Like I, I want to be with God, and I want to know Him as He is, and not just know about Him intellectually but to actually be with the Lord. And so uh, those have been really foundational uh, practices for me. I would say ones that are still being formed in me are things like Sabbath and, and actually purposefully ceasing from my labor to soak in uh, worshipful rest with the Lord. I think those are things that are still being worked out in me. Uh, fasting has been in a sort of not to use a buzzword here, it's been intermittent in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you're an American? Is that what it is? <laughs> and, uh, but again, you know, I, I think most of the major calculated decisions in my life have come after a season of fasting mm-hmm. and really pressing, like, God, I need direction from you. Mm-hmm. And I need, I need to know what your heart is, what your will yeah. is. And so setting aside that time to say, I, I have one focus right now. There's only mm-hmm. one thing I'm concerned with. And that is that I know what your heart is for right, me. Right. Uh, those have been those have been really key practices in my life. That's good. I find that in my own spiritual development, um, it's oftentimes one for a while and another for for yeah. another time. No, you know? that's true. Um, I think sometimes if it, if it gets too rigid, like this is what I do every day, it starts okay. to become religious. It mm-hmm. starts to become something that is a burden rather than life giving. And the point right. of spiritual disciplines is is to 
to give that a life, you know. So I've had seasons where, man, it's like I just can't, I have this insatiable appetite for the scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, this happened to me like two years ago. I just read the whole Bible in like three months. Mm-hmm. And that was totally unlike me. And it was just right. hours. And all I wanted to do was read my Bible. It was just yeah. this grace of the Lord. Um, certainly not in that season right now. Yeah. You know, right now it's a little bit more of, of a, a discipline to, to crack it open, and I continue to do that. Um, but now I'm starting to find more enjoyment in, in meditation and in prayer, mm-hmm. you know, going for walks and, and thinking yeah. um, deeply about uh, things of the Lord. And um, it's almost kind of like going to the gym, you know, if you do the same workout right. every time you go to the you gym for out. three years, oh, well, you get burned out, your, your, your body just goes, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. Right. No need to break muscle down, mm-hmm. no need to, to grow. Um, or, or get any bigger. So, you know, the same way, spiritually speaking, I think if we don't, um, you know, sort of try different things at different times, they're right. all ultimately accomplishing the same thing, and that is to get you in line with the mind and will of Christ. Yeah. Right? So fasting ultimately is getting you to go um, into a place of dependency where we're seeking the Lord. And mm. when you're seeking the Lord, you're in a place where you're in, in conformity with his, his rule, right. his will. And, and prayer, prayer for me is the most instant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second I start praying, especially if I'm praying in a worshipful way, yeah. um, it's amazing how quickly I feel like I'm in line with him. Yeah, in his thinking, without you know? a doubt. Yeah, and I'm so much quicker than even scripture. And, and I know that's true because the enemy, the enemy seems bent on keeping me from praying. <laughs> that's so, so true. Which I think he knows that that's, like, that's the thing yeah. that really connects me to the Father so quickly. Mm. It was the thing that Jesus certainly you know, depended on. One of my questions I have for you is, you know, it's so easy when you're, um, uh, depending on your personality type, yeah. when, when you are beginning to take more ownership of your spiritual maturity and your mm-hmm. own the, um, spiritual disciplines, it's so easy to cross over that fine line into religion yep. and into where you're sort of become prideful and you start to look at others that maybe don't do those disciplines and start mm-hmm. to think um, down on them or, or whatever. And, and everybody has their hobby horse, you know, yeah. like for some people, Sabbath is really trendy right now. Right. And I think Sabbath is really important, but I also think it's kind of trendy. Mm-hmm. And so people that are really hardcore about Sabbath, they sort of have that, I don't know, that edge right. of, of religion a totally. little bit too. How do we, how do we um, unapologetically like just pursue relentlessly maturity in the disciplines, but yet at the same time maintain sort of a humility um, and, and, a, and maybe a grace-saturated yeah. perspective. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it really has to do with your focus. Um, if, if the focus of spiritual disciplines is to be with Christ, to be with Jesus, mm-hmm. um, the becoming, becoming like Jesus is the byproduct of that. The more we, you know, <clears throat> you and I like to hang out. We, you know, we'll go backpacking or whatever. Right. And I'll come home, and my wife is like, you're talking to me like a dude. <laughs> Stop. I can tell you've been out with the guys. What is that, like, hey, babe, pull my finger? Or what? <laughs> you know, it's a natural byproduct of hanging out with Ace that you begin to absorb a part of that interaction, and, and you begin to mimic and imitate and, you know, uh, display the attributes of what you are around. Right. Uh, when the discipline is the focus itself, then it becomes a source of pride, right? It's like, I am better, smarter, I'm the guru because I do these things. And that, I, you know, I think one caveat would be uh, there is a real sense in which I think sometimes spiritual disciplines can create a guru-like mentality. Totally. Of like, you know, I'm uber spiritual, Check I just sit out. around yeah. and meditate on right. Sabbath and I do all these things. That, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is to actually avail your heart to Jesus. And if you put yourself in that position, that's a place of dependency. That's not a, that's not a place of hierarchy right. where you're going to be you know, over the top of somebody else. Yeah. yeah. It really reminds me of uh, health and dieting. Yeah. Like um, you, know, you start out eating healthy and dieting and going to the gym because you really just are tired of feeling like sick all the time right and like right now i'm in that season where i'm like i'm tired of feeling like garbage i want right. to feel good so i'm going to get out and run and i'm going to start eating good and it, and, it, and it becomes the purpose in that moment is so that you can enjoy life more right. fully but then you know you start getting more and more obsessive about it and then before you know it you're the means and the end to become the exercise and the diet right. which we all see that guy walk by yeah. and we don't think wow you're so buff we think wow you spend way too much time totally. in the gym you know i mean your your goal now is not to be healthy your goal is to get big yeah um and it's i think it's the same thing in Absolutely. spirituality and the pharisees obviously were totally the perfect illustration of that i mean they literally had gone all in um on on sort of the disciplines of spirituality i mean mm-hmm. they had literally 
the entire Old Testament memorized in multiple languages, and yeah. everything they did was intentional, yet Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Yeah. I think there's kind of a pendulum swing that happens in Christianity mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we, we sort of get very serious about our spiritual formation, yeah. and then it kind of hits critical mass, turns into legalism and religion, mm-hmm. and then it swings the other way. Right. And I think that you and I are maybe on the backwards swing from uh, a generation that was like... Intellectualism and... Well, I, I think we're swing, I think maybe we're swinging back to an emphasis on spiritual formation because right. I think the last twenty or thirty years there was a lot of people that were just like, okay, enough of the stuffy religious stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just love Jesus mm-hmm. and like let's stop being so sort of. And, you know, the mainline denominations gotcha. have, have really been um, decreasing. Um, there's a, there was a whole generation like the Jesus movement that were mm-hmm. like enough of the sort of doxological um, you know formalities of Christianity. I'm just going right. to take my shoes off and sit in the grass. And, and there's something I love about that. Right. But I also you know as I'm growing as a 31 year old and I'm kind of like boy maybe it would be nice to have a little bit more emphasis on spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, and yeah. not so loosey goosey and you know all of that. Um, but I think that's kind of what happens with ping pong. Because Without there's problems on either well, side. Well, I've seen it even in my my own relationship with the Lord over the course of, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 25 years-ish. Wow, you're super old, man. <laughs> I know. It feels old to say. How old are you? You're 49, uh, 43. Right? Crazy. Yeah. So uh, in the middle of that, uh, there have been times where I'm like, no, it's all about theology. Right. Right. And I like study, 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 read lots of books, try to sound super smart. And then you find your your soul just like withering yeah. up and dying, and you're like, I actually this is going to kill me <laughs> if I keep going down this totally. road. Yeah. I, I feel spiritually dead yeah. on the inside, and so then you back off from that. You're like, okay, I just need to be with Jesus. Right. I just need to spend some time with Him, and then you realize actually some of the things that I have believed about Jesus are wrong. I need a little bit more theology, and like yeah. you, you, it's like bumper. Uh, rails on a on a bowling alley, you kind of like ping pong, yeah. you know, yeah. back and forth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I do the same the same thing, and I feel like every denomination. This is a really sweeping statement, yeah. but every denomination <laughs> or is sort wrong. of movement oh. had oftentimes is burnt out of a or birthed out of a pendulum swing from mm-hmm. an extreme. You know, like I think the Pentecostals are like, you know, man, you guys that are so obsessed with, with theology and doctrine are so stuffy. Right. Let's tune into the spirit. Let's live out of the spiritual power, and then the the other side is like, yeah, but you guys don't read your Bibles very well, you know, or very closely. And, um, you know, I, I find myself appreciating multiple traditions because I, I find that in different seasons I often need yeah. um, an emphasis on those certain things. You know? Yeah, I, I think that's what's really fascinating about when Paul is writing about uh, the body of Christ and he talks about differing gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, we generally will apply that to one local church, but he's talking about the body of Christ the fullness of the church. And I think that there is a lot to be gathered from different aspects of, or the different parts of, or members of the body of Christ, universal. Uh, there's, there's things that are being emphasized in the, the charismatic movement that really people that are more on the conservative theological side really need to hear. Yeah. And vice versa, the people on the theological conservative side who are, are very much into thinking also needs to realize, like, if this is real, if what you believe is real about the Holy Spirit and about the nature of God and the things that, the power that God has and the things that he wants to do, then you need to learn a little bit from these folks over here, yeah. you know? Uh, I, I think that there is benefit in appreciating the entire body of Christ Absolutely. with all of its brokenness and flaws. Yeah. And with all of its yeah. uh, good that is to be learned and offered. Yeah. And I think there's a real case for studying church history for yeah. that reason, too. Because, you know, everything that we think usually has been thought. Yep. And every deficit that we see has usually been seen yep. and reacted to by the church. I mean, people have been following after Jesus for 2,000 years. Right. And, um, and very intentionally mm-hmm. and very uh, there's some there's some real wisdom it was interesting i listened to a lecture i think i sent it to you um i'm not offended if you didn't listen to it but there's a lecture <laughs> um by dr ko about spiritual formation and he was talking about um the church history conversation about this one thing and that is that when you get saved you're on fire and that seems to be a universal thing and then as you sort of grow over the years you start to notice your passion mm. sort of dwindling and he was like you know every uh, the church fathers, Augustine, and all these—they've all—they all realized that. 
they all recognized that and they all questioned that and they mm -hmm. all sort of said why is that and, and but it was so interesting because he was almost doing a survey of church history and how right. every generation has had to wrestle with this kind of universal principle and i don't have to go super deep into his conclusions it was it was really interesting but his his yeah. conclusion was that god is trying to mature us mm -hmm. and because he's trying to mature us when you're first saved you sort of need the bottle mm -hmm. um he said the the um the third century he called it the breast, but that was kind of <laughs> right. awkward. So uh, he called it the bottle. Um, he's all, especially when I draw it on the whiteboard, you know. It's like, um, so the the new believer needs the bottle of the senses to feel, you know, and and not that feeling is is evil, but that mm -hmm. that if 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 feeling good is your reason for following Jesus, that's right. not a mature perspective. Yeah. Um, and he wants to grow us to a point where we love Jesus for Jesus, not for what Jesus yeah. gives us. So he slowly starts to take away the bottle. And, and I was like, it's so funny because I, I've wrestled with that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that Augustine wrestled with that, 300, right. 300 AD. Yeah. I didn't realize that church Christians and, and church fathers and historians all that had been thinking about that and wrestling with that Absolutely. forever. You know? And so, um, yeah, I think there's a real place in understanding it. So for the person listening, Jeremy, that... Um, just feels like, okay, I hear you guys talking about spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines, but I just don't feel like I'm growing, mm. and I don't feel like I even know where to start, and I feel like I get up and I read my Bible or try to pray, and I just feel dry. Mm. I know you've experienced those seasons. Yep. Um, what would be your encouragement to someone who's just feeling like, man, I just don't even know where to start. I yeah. want to grow in maturity, but I just feel like I'm helpless or yeah. unable. You know, I, I can tell you this, and, and this is anecdotal. It's based on my own experience. Whenever I come to those walls, I, I know that I just need a change. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. When I find my soul drying up, uh, I know that I need to change. My, my tendency, though, is to like be radical, yeah. right? Just to go full-on extreme and like, I'm going to do it all. This week, I'm going to fast and pray, and then I'm going to take 40 minutes of silence, and then right. I'm going to meditate, you know, and I'm going to yeah. take a full Sabbath. Like... I want to do it all. But that generally is actually just overwhelming and ends up being oppressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say start small. Mm. You know, start actually by saying, okay, I recognize that my soul is drying up. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a 40 minute walk once this week. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going to leave my headphones behind and I'm going to purposefully slow my pace down and enjoy creation, give God praise for the trees, and as my mind wanders uh, around issues of family or friends or relationships, yeah. I'm going to lift them up, and as my mind wanders towards the things of God, I'm going to give Him praise for that. And just 40, you know, set aside one block of time in a week, and what you'll find is actually that begins to spread. You're like, man, that was so refreshing to my soul. Right. You, the desire comes back to to let that grow. It's like a, a, an, an ember in yeah. a fire, yeah. and you it, you just start to want to you want to fan it right. into flame. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, two things that I think have always helped me. Um, one is is uh, thankfulness, mm. and uh, I think that the disease of our generation is entitlement, yeah. and the antidote to entitlement is thankfulness. Yeah think that when, when I start to feel dry, it's often because I've started to assume that I deserve mm. something. Um, and instead of, you know, thinking on dwelling on the riches that I have in Christ. Right. You know, and the riches that we have in Christ are hard because they're unseen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can see some of the, the gifts of Christ, our family maybe, or our relationships with the church or, or whatever, but the, the, the spiritual unseen realities of Ephesians 1 that are all hidden in Christ, you know, all of our treasure, right. which is ultimately God. Um, they're unseen, you know, but, but, but oftentimes I find if I just start thanking God for all of his gifts, yeah. it, it, it's, it's like the dry bones just come back to life. Right. Um, and then the other one is surrender. I just I feel like oftentimes when I feel dry, it's because there's something in my life I am, I'm not surrendering. Mm -hmm. And that could be sin, that could be um, maybe an attitude, but, but oftentimes even it's just um, control. Mm. You know, I, I just, I'm trying and yeah. trying and trying to control even my own spiritual maturity. I don't like not being able to control my spiritual maturity. Right. I want to have the keys to my own spiritual growth uh, and development. But the funny thing is, is the only way through that door is the, is the key of surrender. Like, yeah. the, is to go, God, I, I don't have it. Yeah. Like, that's why I love that quote I mentioned earlier, that Christianity is what you do when you realize you can do nothing. Right. Like I grow when I when I admit and I give up and I go okay Lord like 
adapt. Like, yeah. I, I need, I need you. And and oftentimes that's the moment where he's like, okay, that's what I was trying to get you to learn. Yeah. And I, I think those seasons of dryness often God allows them to bring us into a place of dependence. You Without know, um, and, and that's why they're so healthy. Yeah, you know, I was contemplating actually uh, John fourteen fifteen, and I think it's fifteen, the first couple of verses, where. Uh, Jesus is talking about abiding in the vine, you know, yeah. any branch that does not bear fruit, my father uh, cuts away, it's yeah. burned in the fire. But then he says, he says something really fascinating to me. He says, any branch that does bear fruit, my father prunes in order that it might bear more fruit. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think that I've always thought of that in terms of like God doing something sort of supernaturally. But pruning is like a taking away of other things that keep us from absorbing the life of Christ. You know, uh, a, a few years ago, I had a, uh, a piece of property where we had some old vines and they were just like uh, old and they laid on the ground and they produced like a few sporadic grapes. And so I got into reading about like, how do I nurture these things back to health yeah. and, and grow some grapes? And what it turns out they need is actually abuse and structure. <laughs> The, they will bear more fruit if you cut away all the branches that are yeah. not bearing fruit. The suckers, aren't they? Isn't that yeah, what all the suckers. Yeah. Yeah. You cut away all the suckers and you leave basically just one right. fruit-bearing branch that comes right. out from, from either side of the stalk or the, the, the root of the, yeah. of the vine. And then all of the energy that comes from the roots is dispensed to the grapes themselves. Mm. And so it's a gracious act from God to, for him to begin cutting away things right. in, in our lives. And I think there's a real partnership in our, in our hearts as well, where we start to examine, you know, I spend a lot of times on Netflix or social media, or um, I have a lot of friendships around me that absorb my time, but they, they aren't friendships that are nurturing my, my growth in the Lord and fellowship. And maybe I need to trim back some of those things in order that I might bear fruit yeah. uh, for, for God's glory. Yeah. And that's a, that's a part of abiding as well, yeah. is letting God prune us. Yeah, I think it's either getting, getting rid of it, or is there a way that I can bring the rule of Christ into it? Yeah. And if there isn't, then maybe it needs to go. Because you know? yeah. I think the, the maturity isn't you know, the monastic moving into... Right, it's some, not asceticism. Yeah, it's not, yeah. I need to go be separated from everything. It's how can I bring the rule of Christ into everything? But oftentimes there are literally just things that are irredeemable. Yeah. You know, um, and they need to be, yeah, they need to be pulled out. That's so funny that you say that. We have rose bushes in front of our house and we have our neighbor who's like um, an avid, avid gardener and she's yeah. so concerned about our roses that <laughs> she keeps coming over like, hey, can I help you prune your roses? And she's like so worried about our suckers, you know, like you right. got to cut the suckers back. And my wife and I are like, we don't really care about the suckers, you know. Uh, which maybe is a good segue, you know, what do you, what do you think, um, well, let me, let, me, let me caveat here. So yeah. I was watching a documentary, uh, like I do, um, about the school system mm -hmm. and um, about how, uh, and I don't, I don't want to go into this because this is a whole rabbit trail and I might make someone mad, but um, about how sort of the status quo of education has become more about information dump mm -hmm. than it is about development yep. and that we're kind of teaching kids how to pass tests yeah. rather than giving them information that's going to serve them. Um, it was also interesting just talking about the fact that information is kind of cheap now mm -hmm. because really from, from this we can kind of get any information that we want. Yeah. So getting people to memorize information isn't really a value add to culture anymore. Mm -hmm. What is a value add is becoming a self-starter, uh, critical thinking, mm -hmm. uh, thinking outside the box, communications skills, those kinds of things. And, and our kids aren't necessarily learning those things because we're just teaching them information. Right. Uh, and I just was listening to that thinking, gosh, it sounds like the church, Yeah. doesn't it? I mean, I just, depending on what circle maybe you run in, mm -hmm. uh, we, we tend to run in a circle that's very preaching centric. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that preaching God's word is, is, is very important. Right. Um, but I also wonder sometimes, have we gone so far into the information dump that we're not developing people to stand on their own two spiritual legs, yeah. um, to, to be those that know how to take God's word and actually use it effectually in the day-to-day -day things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you and I would both agree on that, but my question would be, 
What, what could be a path forward for both of our congregations that we serve at? Um, what are some things that you think we could do to encourage sort of the going to the gym spiritually instead of just taking uh -huh. in protein shakes, actually getting up and going and using that? Um, you know, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Could be our church in specific, or if you want to be a coward, you could talk more specifically uh, yeah. in the church in general. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to commit to anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um I think, first off, if we're, if we're going to lead anybody anywhere, it has to be something that we're doing. Yeah. So I think there's a leadership piece sure. where we, as pastors and elders, are actually living this out. And then the natural byproduct of that is that we're going to talk to people about how Christ is being formed in us. And, and I think that in itself really draw I mean that is how God draws people unto himself you know for me I look back whether we're talking church history or even just current leadership within the church at large uh, there are a lot of people who are really really smart and intellectuals and um, I like that stuff that's not but the people that I'm drawn to the people that like grab a hold of my attention are people that I find are actually being formed into Christ. Yeah, I see their life changing. They're open about their weaknesses and their failures. Right. They're uh, humble and, and teachable. So I, I think that's a piece. I think another piece is that if the point of our preaching is simply an information dump, then that is all that people will get. But if we transition and say, okay, here, here's a truth, right? Uh, whatever that is. So what? Like, what, what does that do for life? I mean, are, does, does it, this just provide intellectual fodder in the backgrounds of our mind? Or is this supposed to change how we live in yeah. some way? And so finding practical ways to connect what we teach with how to live it out, I think people really need those pieces. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, I think it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an extra step in the preaching process yep. that I think I often neglect. Mm. Um, and partly is because I'm afraid of putting burdens. Yep. You know, I, I'm so terrified that people are going to walk out of the sanctuary every Sunday feeling like, ah, Sam, give me another bunch of right. stuff to fail at. Yep. You know, and, and I don't want to do that because you could. You, you could be preaching moralistic teachings yep. every week and burden some teachings every week. Um, but at the same time, there's been a couple sermons that I've preached where I, I had a very clear sort of, here's what we're going to do as a church yeah. to respond to this truth we've just beheld. Yeah. And it was amazing how many people came into me afterwards and were like, thank you. Mm. We've, we've sat in so many sermons where they never told us how right. we were going to actually respond to it. Yeah. And obviously, if, you, if your church rolls out a program every time you preach a sermon, you're going to have too many programs. But, yeah. but still, you know, I think just having, um, you know, maybe it's a challenge for, for me and, and for us, you know, to, to preach and then include sort of that question, now mm. what? Now what do we do with this? Yeah. You know, and sometimes there are truths that just need to be beheld. Um, and, and as we, you know, worship the Lord, our, mm -hmm. our affections are naturally going to change. But, um, but I think that's partly why we're doing this series is we're just yeah. going. I think I see people in our congregation and in Heritage too that that want to grow mm -hmm. and and just need the tools, yep. you know, too. Um, and um, but I, I think there's just sometimes there's a disconnect. What, what do you think the biggest? And maybe we can end with with this. What do you think the biggest hurdle is for spiritual development in the West? And, and particularly in Southern Oregon right now, in our culture, in the world we live mm -hmm. in, um, it seems like uh, there is just rampant immaturity within Christians yep. in the church. And um, what do you think that the, the biggest hurdle is and how can we overcome that? Yeah. From my perspective, I would say there's a, there's a huge cultural element, and that is that we live in the information age. Yeah. And that people are maxed with information and and that along with that because of YouTube and you know these other these other influences within the world people think that simply because you observe a truth right that that is the same as actually living that truth out right um, and we're we're just consumers of information so I, I think helping people connect the dots of like actually this truth is as wonderful as it is will do you nothing. Right. Just knowing it is insufficient. Huh? Yeah. I have to think of like uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus. 
right? He gives all of these uh, sort of values of the kingdom, right? It's been called the, the constitution of the kingdom because he, he says this is how kingdom people will live, the way that right. they love their enemies, the way that they serve, the way that they, you know, reject not just adultery, but even just lust in the heart. Yeah, like, he lays out just a very practical series, but then he concludes in chapter 7 that entire passage by saying, look, um, those who hear this teaching and do nothing with it are like people who build their house on, a sand, on the sand and it has no foundation. When the storms of life come, the waves beat against it and great is the fall of that house. Yeah. Uh, but those who hear and practice, right. do right. what it is that I'm, that I'm teaching, they're like the people who build their house on the rock and the storm comes yeah. and, and their house continues right. to stand. Yeah. So I think we have to help people in, in that process of like, look, this isn't just about gaining more knowledge about the Bible. This isn't just about, this is actually, some, there's something in here for us. We earn nothing. Right? Yeah. Everything has been earned for us in Christ. But we will only experience, I think, the fullness of what God has, has designed for us and the joy of kingdom living or life to the full, as Jesus said. Uh, we will only experience that to the degree that we allow the teaching and the, the uh, instruction of Jesus to begin to shape how we live. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's super good. It's funny that you say all that. Like that was basically the sermon on Sunday. It was, you know, we were just talking about attention and how, and really, our attention is the most valuable thing we can give. Yep. And that is the thing that's completely under siege right yeah. now. You know, we were talking about how um, anybody that thinks that this is some sort of an amoral piece of machinery is actually mistaken. It, right. It's it's. I used to think that, mm -hmm. but um, my wife's reading this book called How to Break Up with Your Phone, and, and they were just, you know, they were citing well. My phone's listening right now. Um, <laughs> they were citing uh, engineers, software engineers, app engineers that are talking about how they man make these apps to manipulate yep. and to sort of to, to grab your attention like heroin. I mean, they're just like become addicting. Um, so they're they're not neutral. Yep. And I think that the the, the greatest thing that, that causes us to mature is giving attention mm -hmm. to the Lord, to the gospel, and to um, you know, his work and his kingdom and his glory. And that is the main thing I think yeah. that is under attack. All of us are so distracted yeah. that we don't feel like we have the bandwidth to give any more. Yeah. But in reality, there's nothing that demands our attention or no, there's nothing that deserves our attention yeah. more than the things of the Lord and his work. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one last thing too I wanted to end on, and this is your, I remember you teaching a while back about spiritual maturity and, and it's always stuck with me. You, the way you defined one of the signs of spiritual maturity was that you begin to take ownership of another's spiritual maturity. Mm. And I just, I just wanted to highlight that because I think yeah. that's so important. Like, you know, it's, it's not about, it's just, it's just like the, the process of growing as a human. You know, you, you're 18 and you start figuring out how to drive yourself mm. to work and maybe you get your own apartment when you're 20 and then maybe yeah. you, you know, you start paying all your own bills and that's a process of maturity. But you really grow up what, when you get married brothers, and yeah. you have kids and now yeah. you're taking care of a wife and that's when I really see people begin to grow the same thing is true spiritually that um, and this is all your this is what you've said before and I think it's so good that you know we grow the most when we start taking responsibility for the spiritual maturity of others and that's that's one of the things that I think I would love to see Christians step into one of the reasons we planted this church was mm. we wanted to create an environment where Christians could take ownership of other Christian spiritual life Right. And growth, and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not only going to think about getting up and brushing my teeth in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about my kids brushing their teeth right. in the morning, and uh, thinking about the spiritual development of others. And I, I legitimately think you can only grow so far. Yeah. Like we all know the 50 year old that still lives with their mom, or still lives <laughs> totally. alone, or whatever, and they've they've like stunted their maturity because yeah. they refuse to take ownership of anyone else's stuff, yeah. and they live a self centered life. And I think the same thing is true of spiritual maturity. We hit this threshold where you're like, I can't grow anymore because. I'm not actually leading anybody. Yeah. And I would just encourage everybody to consider that, you know. And, and you don't have to have it all figured out to begin leading spiritually. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think if you have been following Christ any number of days, you have something to offer, yeah. you know. But I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that or what that looks like. Yeah, I, I actually, I coined a phrase that I, I think is at least helpful to me. Um, and that is that all leadership is leadership by following. 
and when we're leading, we're just inviting others to do right. what we're doing and following right. Jesus. Yeah. And, and so that can happen when you're still very maybe spiritually immature or theologically you, you don't know a whole lot, but you can say, hey, look, this is how I'm following Jesus. Do you want to come with me in this? Right. And there, there are some amazing things that God does in yeah. the face of that. As a matter of fact, I, I would say some of the most amazing ministry happens sometimes by people who are not theologically well informed yeah and uh and i don't say that as a way of like propping up ignorance right but as a way of saying look if when somebody falls in love with jesus and they, and they invite others to come along with them god does really cool stuff yeah. Yeah. really amazing yeah. stuff yeah no that's so true and i think when we pour out there's room for him to pour back in yeah I mean, we all have the, the Dead Sea analogy. You know, yep. it's like if you're just taking in and taking in, but you don't have an outlet, yeah. why would God continue to pour in? You know, yeah, and a lot of times I think stepping out like that and leading others in, in those ways, even if it, it's not, you know, you don't feel like you've been to seminary or whatever, right? It's the, that very process of being willing to take others with you that is the agency by which God matures and grows you. Absolutely. Because you become like aware of areas of lack or information that you need to know or weaknesses and deficiencies or woundedness within your own heart in the presence of others. And you go, man, this is something that God needs to heal in me or shape in me or teach me. And all of that comes to the forefront. Yeah.